I'm Chelsea. And I'm Deetra. And we're giving you a million murders. So today, mm-hmm, just going to jump in. Um, jump in. So this case takes place in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Brittany Marcel was living there with her mother and her six other siblings. They have seven kids in their family. Mm-hmm. Her mom was actually a single mom. So, you know, I could imagine how difficult that must, you know, have been to have seven kids. But yeah. she was a great mom, really attentive. Their upbringing was pretty good. They lived in a really nice neighborhood. Brittany had a great personality. She was friendly. She was known to be a very positive person and had a bunch of big dreams for her life. Eventually, she wanted to go into TV journalism and be a newscaster of some sort. Okay. At this point in her life, she was a high school senior. She was doing really well in school and was planning to go to college and was currently working at a job at a sunglass place, like you see in the mall, like those little huts in the middle of the aisles and stuff. Yeah. Um, She was really good at it, and she was really social. She enjoyed people. She would strike up conversations with them and get them to buy like two or three or even four pairs of sunglasses sometimes. Okay. Hustle. <laughs> Hustle. And all was well in their lives until September 11, 2008. Hmm. This was a completely normal day for them. Brittany had school. Her mom had work. So that day, Brittany and her mother, Diane, decided they were going to meet up for lunch together. This was something they, you know, did very often. Yeah. But this was just a spur-of-the-moment kind of plan. Uh, It was a Thursday morning, and they were, you know, like, let's just go ahead and meet up for lunch today. And instead of going out, they decided to just meet up at the house for lunch. So Brittany went to school that morning, had a normal half day at school, came home for lunch to meet her mom there. On her way home, she called her mom and just, you know, checked in, told her she was headed there to the house. Her mom said when she was on the phone, she acted completely normal, didn't seem scared or worried about anything. So Brittany went home to meet her mom for lunch. She went into the house when she got there. Diane did the same. And when she got there, she pulled up to her house. She was shocked by what she had found. And she found Brittany on the floor covered in blood. Mm -hmm. She had dropped all of her belongings, books, everything was kind of just spread out. So it happened, you know, as soon as she walked in the door. So she looked like she had been badly beaten. She Mm. was swollen and a little disfigured already. Gosh. There was a man next to her just holding a shovel. Diane said she did not recognize this man. She got a look at him because he wasn't wearing a mask or anything. Didn't have a disguise on, anything like that. So she starts freaking out and the guy actually drops the shovel, runs into the kitchen and grabs a butcher knife. And he started coming at Diane saying, you're next. And in that moment, I couldn't imagine. This is the mom. And in that moment, I couldn't imagine having to decide to leave my daughter, who's beaten on the ground. But she decides to run, which was the smartest thing, I think, that she done. I mean, you know, she doesn't have anything to, like, defend herself. Like, what is she, what is she going to do? Yeah. So she goes over to a neighbor's house and calls 911 immediately. So Diane decided to go back over to the house, which was scary because, you know, she didn't know if he was still there. 
but he had actually already fled the scene. Mm-hmm. So he got back over there, or she got back over there and seen Brittany was in terrible condition still. She was bleeding everywhere, swollen, disfigured, but she was still alive. Mm-hmm. So they load Brittany up and send her to the hospital. And at this point, they have no idea if she's going to survive. So the police came to the crime scene and right off the bat, they didn't think, you know, it was any type of burglary or home invasion because there was nothing stolen, messed with, you know. So the person solely came in to attack Brittany. They figured it had to be some type of personal attack. Someone who, you know, maybe stalking Brittany. Yeah. Someone following her, you know, waiting for her to come home to attack her specifically. So is it someone she knows? Right. Hmm. It's just weird because, you know, Diane made eye contact with him. Yeah. She said that his face is seared into her memory, but she did not know who he was. Right. And investigators believe that this guy left the house as soon as Diane ran out to help or to get help. So it's like, is it someone Brittany knows? You know, you would think, you know, just in the beginning, like how close her and her mom are, you would think if it was something someone Brittany knew, like maybe her, you would she think would her mom would is. know too. But <clears throat> right. that is not always the case. So he probably realized the police would be coming shortly. So he had to get out of the house. And instead of going through the door, he breaks a window and climbs out of that. There's glass all over outside of the house where the window was. And he, and as he was going out, he cuts himself mm. and gets this perfect drop of blood onto this piece of glass. And I've got a picture of it. Yes, it's crazy. Yes. And leaves it there. So it's almost like a slab. Uh, it's almost like a lab sample. It, like it's literally yeah, insane on a, on a dish, just like perfect. like it was just made perfect for the police. Like it was just specifically like, oh, I'm just going, you know, this little sample. Yeah, like he just let it. Yeah, just, and yeah. then he left. Mm-hmm. I got a picture of my post it, y'all. I'm telling y'all, it's crazy. Oh, so having DNA, DNA blood is a huge help to the police, mm-hmm. but they still did not have a clue to who this could be because the family had no guesses about who it could be at first. And, you know, not everyone's DNA is in the database. Right. There were no matches coming up for his blood or for this blood. Mm-hmm. So a few days after the attack, Brittany was still in terrible condition at the hospital. She had multiple school fractures, lacerations on her head and face. She had a broken arm and wrist. A lot of people around her, doctors, family, and friends felt like she may not make it. Mm. So they figured out that she had clearly tried to fight back because she had all these bruises and scratches on her wrists, mm-hmm. uh, trying to defend herself. And the doctors were really concerned because her pupils were fixed in one size and she had minimal brain activity. Mm. So they started saying that, you know, she had a low chance of survival. At this point, they decided it would be best for her to be put into an induced coma for two weeks. Okay. So when she came out of the coma... She had no recollection of the attack or what happened to her at all. She says that at first she thought that she was in a car accident. Oh, wow. It was really hard for her, you know, to find out that she had actually been beaten by a shovel in her own home. So Brittany's recovery lasted years. She's required so many surgeries at first and had 16 different surgeries, to be exact. Oh, One of the earlier surgeries, they actually had to take out a nickel-sized part of her brain. Mm. She also had a fractured part of her skull, so they took that fractured piece, and they actually put it inside of her abdomen, which is really neat. Uh-huh. 
So to back up and let it stay in there and heal for a little while is why they put it in her abdomen, like to heal it. It's so, the body's so weird. Isn't it? It's neat. It's so neat. So in the meantime, she was wearing this helmet thing to kind of protect her head. Mm Mm-hmm. When the fractured part of her skull healed up, they took it out of her abdomen and placed it back on her skull. That is so crazy. Like, how amazing is that? I was just like, this is so crazy. Yeah. So with a lot of help and a lot of work on Brittany's part, she did eventually learn how to speak, how to walk, eat again, and she wasn't 100% back to herself, but she was accomplishing, you know, these little steps, which is good. Yeah. But one thing that was that she was really suffering from was the memory loss. The doctor didn't know if it was going to be long-term, short-term, or if it was ever going to come back at all. So they told the family that maybe she could regain some of her memory, but not have to, but to not have high hopes on her getting them back. Right. Brittany was struggling to remember pretty much anything. Even close relationships that she had in the years leading up to this attack, the family decided that they wanted to move out of the house of that house that, you know, it happened at. Right. And they never wanted to go back into it. There were just too many bad memories from that attack. And her mom, in her spare time, when she wasn't caring for her daughter, she started to really put pressure on the investigation, the investigators and in trying to get this case solved, which, kudos to her. Yes. Come on. So when this all first happened, the investigators started, started <laughs> asking Diane if there was anyone she thought you know, may want to hurt Brittany. If she can think of anyone that may want to do this to her. So eventually one of her other daughters brought up that maybe it's her biological father. He had not been a good father to his kids. And they remember several times when he was aggressive with them Mm. and they had a horrible, nasty divorce. So Diane started thinking maybe he sent someone like a murder for a hire plot. Right. To the house to kill me the mom, uh-huh. and they just got confused, and they tried to kill Brittany instead. Right. So they weren't sure about this. It was just, you know, a random shot in the dark because they, you know, had no other possibilities. After investigators spent some time looking into him and talking to him, they were able to clear him as a suspect. So the dad's not suspect. Okay. So more time had gone on, and Diane was still frustrated with the lack of progress that they were seeing And the police kept on telling her that, you know, as time goes on, maybe your daughter's memory will improve and she'll be able to give them more of a lead. But her memory was coming back really, really slowly. So she specifically could not remember anything about the attack at all. That's like nothing. Mm -hmm. But even if you don't suffer from memory loss in an attack, being attacked like that with a shuffle could be such a traumatic experience that your memory will actually block it out so you can't remember it at all. Mm-hmm. So police just felt like unless those memories come back, there's not much they can do with a single drop of blood. Uh, yeah. Okay. As I mentioned earlier, that drop of blood when put into the database did not bring up anybody. Right. They started just calling it John Doe. So Diane gave her own description to the police. And here's what she said. She described him as a Caucasian or Hispanic male, approximately 20 to 30 years old, 5 foot to 7 inches tall, Mm -hmm. clean shave with brown hair. And this, along with a description of the attacker and what happened, was released to the public. Mm -hmm. 
So they got a few leads from this, but nothing panned out, of course. In in 2010, two years later, Mm -hmm. the case was featured on America's Most Wanted, which brought in some more leads. And again, none of these leads panned out. Mm -hmm. Then in August 2013, the family got really lucky because they were assigned to a new detective who was just awesome. Okay. Her name is, hopefully I say her name right, her last name right, um, but her name is Jody Gontermine. Hmm. So I'm just going to call her Jody. Okay. And she's just very passionate about her job. So when she started working with Brittany, she would try to have her come up with any names that she could think of from her past that possibly could have done something. Mm-hmm. They went through each of these names found each person and cleared them. This was, I mean, that's more than what they were doing before. Yeah. So, I mean, this was taking a ton of time, just slowly ruling out every single person that she could remember. But I mean, at least they were doing something. Yeah. So eventually Jody was like, well, how about we try hypnosis? Hypnosis does not always work, but when it does, it's pretty interesting what can be recalled. So, Brittany wanted to try it, so they brought her into a hypnotherapist, and they were actually worried at first, maybe she wasn't going to be able to get any memories back because her brain was so damaged, mm-hmm. but they thought if she is repressing these memories because of trauma and not because of physical trauma, then maybe they are retrievable. So, her hypnosis session was actually filmed. Which I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, and before they put her under hypnosis, they were talking to her just about her life, you know, before this happened, just to see what she could remember. Yeah. And she did remember the fact that she was going to be going to college to start to study journalism and remembered that her grade point average was around like a 3.6 to like a 3.7. Mm-hmm. So they felt like she has, you know, some hope here. Mm-hmm. Some hope here. And then she actually relived the attack right there in front of the hypnosis. She left the session remembering a bunch and being super overwhelmed, but she didn't have a specific person. Then she went home to rest for a few days, and after a few days, she remembered more. She eventually came up with a specific description of the person. She believed it was someone with a very light skin, a Hispanic male with black spiky hair, a square face, big nose, and weird eyes. She specifically said that his eyes were brown. She said he had prominent eyebrows, big ears, a big forehead, and no visible tattoos. And that he was wearing a t-shirt when it happened. Hmm. So another composite sketch was put together and released to the public. So then, in 2016, years after the attack, they had interviewed tons of persons of interest, but they were still not giving up. But Detective Jody thought that they really weren't making any progress. Mm-hmm. And this is when she learned about Snapshot. <clears throat> if you don't know, it's really cool technology where they can take a sample of someone's DNA and create a physical snapshot or picture of what they possibly look like or probably look like. Mm-hmm. So she decided this could be useful, so she sent in the DNA from that blood sample and had it made into a snapshot. 
It takes a little while to put the snapshot together, so while she was waiting, she had another interview with Brittany and tried to recall more information from her. Mm-hmm. And it was then that Brittany had a more specific memory. For some reason, the name Justin Hansen came up for her, and Brittany was filming... Brittany was feeling extremely foggy on why Justin Hansen's name was coming up, but she suddenly remembered him from her past. She said that she remembered seeing him shortly before all this had happened. You know, so who is Justin Hansen? Yeah. He is seven years older than Brittany, and she says that she remembers meeting him when she was friends with this girl named Abby. It was like middle school... And they would play together, you know, and be over at Abby's house. And at the same time, her older sister, Lauren, had just gotten pregnant by this guy named Justin Hansen. So Justin Hansen was just hanging out, you know, at the house all the time. All right. But after a while, her friendship had fizzled with Abby, so she didn't really see her anymore. But she did see Justin Hansen and would randomly run into him at places. And he would always, you know, say hi. Mm -hmm. Then specifically, she remembered him coming to say hi to her when she was working at the sunglass booth. A couple of times. They actually found out that he did three or four times before the attack happened. Like, ran into her at the sunglass booth and said hi. Right. Okay. I just... mm. (laughs) She said that she remembered when he would come up that he would say, you know, like, hi, how are you doing? You know, how was school? What are you doing later? You know, just a regular talk you have with anybody that you know. Right. So, they're starting to kind of feel weird about him. So, they're putting him on the back burner. And then, the snapshot image came back, and it looks so much like Justin Hansen, it's insane. Mm. So, the only thing that was weird was the sketch said whoever did this had a high likelihood of having green or hazel eyes. And if you remember, Brittany said that she remembered the eyes being brown. Right. But Justin Han- Justin Hansen has green eyes, which is an extremely rare eye color, which I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So what are the chances that he would match up with this? You know? Yeah. So they find Justin Hansen, and it turns out that he is now a father. He has three kids. I keep wanting to <clears throat> hiccup. Okay. He has three kids, and on the surface, he comes across as a loving dad. He had no criminal record, so investigators were kind of, you know, confused about this. Why? Like, why would he want anything to do with Brittany? You know, what's the connection? And it's not like he was an ex-boyfriend or anything. Right. What would be his motive? And would he be the type of person who would want to do something like this to somebody? Yeah. So detectives went, I mean, when I say that... He was perceived as a, like, good father, like, in the public eye. Like, I mean, he was. So, -hmm. that's why I'm like, this is weird, like. But (sighs) you don't really know somebody. Right. So, he could have done it. You know, know, who knows? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So, detectives went and talked to him outside of his house. He was just chilling in a robe, and they filmed the whole thing. Mm Mm-hmm. They said that he was really nice, talking to them, very open about everything, um, expressing sadness about Brittany. Marcel was happy to talk to him about any questions that they had, and they said that they were having a great conversation with him, up until they asked him to submit a DNA sample. Mm-hmm. It was then that he decided he wanted to talk to a lawyer first, but not only a lawyer, he wanted to talk to his mom. 
So this really stuck out to investigators because before this, they had asked a bunch of, you know, different people for their DNA in regards to this case. Right. And every single person offered it up. Mm-hmm. Justin Hansen was the first person to deny them. Now, I will say this, you know, I get like where he's coming from as far as like not maybe, maybe not wanting his DNA in the system. Right. Because some people are just weird like that. Yeah. Well, and then if somebody does have it out for you. Then you could end up, you know. Yeah. So framed. it's like, yeah, that's another thing, too. Like, what if you're framed for something and, you know, they've already got your DNA? And But then again, you know, people who don't want their DNA, like, won't give up their DNA, like, maybe they're guilty or they are guilty. Yeah. So then at the end of the interview, he's walking them out of the house and they're standing. They're standing in the door area, and that is when they tell him, we actually had a screenshot made, and it looks exactly like you. He he really seems to be a mama's boy, and his mom defends him about absolutely everything. Like, uh huh. she definitely says there's no way he could have done this. There's no way he could have been, you know, involved in this. And after talking to her, investigators are even more confused. He doesn't have a record. He seems like, you know, this great guy. Why would he do this? You know, but after digging around in his past, they did find some red flag. Years before this, he was actually accused of rape by his ex-girlfriend, but then withdrew the charges and continued to date him for a little while longer. So that whole situation was kind of brushed under the rug. Oh, yeah. So at this point, all investigators can do is somehow obtain his DNA and try to get a match. So, detectives actually follow him to a fast food restaurant. I love whatever. Love, love, love to I'm see like, it. Love. Yes, yes, I love, like, reading stories and, then, like, they won't give up their DNA and the police is like, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just skirt, skirt, go behind mm-hmm. you. So, they followed him to a fast food restaurant and he was drinking out of a cup. After he was done with it, he gets up, throws it out. They follow him, get it out of the trash, and they have his DNA. It takes a couple days for the DNA to come back, and when it did, it showed that Justin was a match for that blood sample left at the house. Mm. Mm-hmm. So July of 2017, detectives decided they were going to arrest Justin, and this was nine years after Brittany was beaten with the shovel. Mm. So to arrest him, they followed him, which ugh, this is the arrest... It's like, yay, good, but, like, how it happened, it kind of hurts my heart. Mm. And you'll, you'll see why. So, they followed him. He went to the gym and then went to his kid's school to pick them up. And they headed to the grocery store, and that's when they arrested him in front of his kids. I felt so bad for the kids. Yeah. You know, I was like, those poor babies. Yeah. Well, then they're going to find out that. Their dad did this, and that's yeah, going to be even worse. But seeing that, too, yeah, ugh, is scary. It's hard on him and scary. So, Justin said he was innocent, and to this day, he remains that he is innocent. But blood evidence is pretty hard to deny, dude. Yeah. So, they brought him in and told him that he was facing charges for murder and facing up to 50 years in prison. I was like, dude. Yeah, shoot. So, they started showing him photos of her in the interrogation room saying, you did this to her, you know. And after a while, he was actually let out on bail, which her family was not happy about. Uh, His base supporter is definitely his mother, 
Yeah. She's so convinced that he did not do this even after the DNA is matched. Like, how how does she think that's going to happen? And she thinks that he's being framed for this. Even though I'm bored. How does blood get over there in the first place, though? So, her biggest defense, his mom's biggest defense was... There was no blood found inside the house. It was found outside on the broken glass. It was still at the house, bruh. Like, yeah, like, and also, like, how did the glass get the outside? The window, obviously, the glass being on the outside of the window means that they were on the inside and broke out. Right. The glass wasn't on the... Yeah, I mean, unless he just somehow cut himself open and walked by, for some reason, was yeah. walking by her house, and then, bloop, a little drop of blood... Fell on one individual piece of glass. No, like, his no. mom just makes me so mad. Yeah, she's in denial. I'm it's like, okay. bruh, no one's perfect. No. People can do stuff. I think it's, I mean, I think it'd be hard to believe that if I had a kid, I think I would never think they could do something like this. So that's understandable. Well, no, but if there's evidence but there's literal, in my face. Yeah, there's literal evidence. She's just in denial. She's not. Dumb. She is saving herself from a minty bee. Well, she can go home and get on and jump on it. Because in April of 2018, Justin Hansen actually pleaded no contest to attempted murder and aggravated burglary with a deadly weapon. Brittany spoke during the hearing and talked about how devastating this was on her life. Justin also spoke at the hearing without admitting that he was guilty and said that he was so sorry to Brittany. Then in July of 2018, he was sentenced to 18 years in prison. So he went into jail and it wasn't... So he went into jail and it hasn't been going very well for him. Back in November of 2019, he was beaten badly by another inmate. And I put, well, good. <laughs> I can't. Like, oh, me. Now you know how it feels to get beat on. Jeez. They think it was someone who was angry at him because of this crime. So I think that someone is just, you know, trying to give him a little taste of his own medicine. Yeah, probably. So his ex-girlfriend also spoke about how he was a horrible father. Oh. So... To his first child. So Mm. that was, or that he was abusive to her and has done all these bad things, stolen, done all these crimes that just haven't been reported to the police because his mom has basically protected him. Wow. So mom, you knew. Okay. Hmm. But but she in denial. Yeah. I'm going to be reading from an article that I had found online Mm -hmm. and it is from September, 2021. Oh, okay. Update. The man who beat a high school student nearly to death with a shovel and remained free for nearly a decade after the attack will now be getting more than a year shaved off of his sentence. Justin Hansen was given 18 years in prison back in 2018 for attacking Brittany Marcel. Her family is outraged after recent developments. The state tried to fight the appeal, but was denied by the New Mexico Supreme Court, especially since his house arrest followed him to go out on dates. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I said followed. Okay. Did I say followed? Let me reread that. Especially since his house arrest allowed him to go out on dates. Her all... He almost killed me, said Brittany Marcel. She says she still lives in fear after being beat nearly to death with a shovel at her west side home in 2008. 
He broke my security and my trust, said Marcel. Investigators, you want to say something? Uh, yes. <laughs> I was just rubbing my head because I'm like, so this person has been accused of all these things and has done all these things. Has DNA evidence that he was, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, why are you allowing him to go out on dates with people after he has obviously been abusive to every, like, to people, to women Mm -hmm. in these past relationships? And he didn't even have a relationship with Brittany at all. And he just went and started beating her up. What? Why? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they dumb because they just let him run around with other Mm -hmm. women. Yeah. Like, okay. So investigators used DNA to link Justin Hansen to the crime nearly 10 years later. Hansen spent more than a year on house arrest leading up to the trial. And in 2018, he was sentenced to 18 years behind bars. Last year, Hansen appealed his, his sentencing asking for credit for the 371 days he served on a GPS monitor. The state tried to fight the appeal, taking it all the way to the New Mexico Supreme Court. But this week, which is last year, not, not mm-hmm. this week of this year. But this week, they denied the case. Now, the appellate court is approving his, uh, approving Hansen's request. He's crying again, said Diane Marcel, Brittany's mom. He's crying again, and he's getting his way once again. Justice is really not being served, she said. However, the Marcel say he shouldn't be given credit for the time served because his house arrest was not strict enough. You remember, Hansen was caught on camera on a date at an Albuquerque isotopes game Mm. while he was on that monitor technically he wasn't on house arrest said diane marcel house arrest is staying home unless he's going to court or a doctor's appointment she said yeah which that is what house arrest means so they say they're disappointed in the system and their disregard for victims i'm very overwhelmed with this said Brittany. i'm not going to get credit for the last 13 years almost she said this is not the first time Hansen has asked for a shorter sentence. Back in October of 2018, he asked the judge to reduce his time behind bars because his family was suffering. The district attorney's office says there will not be a formal resentencing hearing. Rather, the time served will be deducted from his original sentence. Ugh. So that was all of that article. And I found another article March 8th of this year, 2022. Mm-hmm. And it says, an Albuquerque judge denied a motion to reduce Justin Hansen's prison sentence Tuesday. It has been 14 years since Hansen brutally beat Brittany Marcel with a shovel in her own home. Marcel says the encounter caused her to lose pretty much everything except her life and still affects her to this day. Meanwhile, Hansen maintains his innocence, even though his blood placed him at the scene of the crime. He was sentenced to 18 years for the brutal attack. While many say that is not nearly enough time for what he did, Hansen wants even less and has repeatedly asked for a lighter sentence. Mm. Hansen did not appear at Tuesday's virtual hearing. He originally argued that he wanted to spend more time with his family and be there when his oldest son went to prom and graduated from high school. Hansen's defense attorney, Rose Osborne, withdrew arguments related to his son in this virtual courtroom this week. He received a lot of virtual from the community, a lot of anger directed at him, she said. Mr. Hansen, of course, he's responsible, not his child. 
okay, yeah, so his child's getting to go to prom. That doesn't mean he gets to be there for it. Exactly. If he didn't, if, you know, he should have thought about that before he went and beat somebody mm-hmm. with a shovel for no reason. Stupid. <sighs> Marcel was only 17 when Hanson followed her home and nearly killed her. She was on Tuesday's call, even though she no longer lives in Albuquerque and is preparing for her 25th surgery since the attack in 2008. She told KOB4 that fighting to keep Hanson behind bars is exhausting. He just gets a slap on the wrist of 18 years, Marcel said. He should be serving a year in prison for each surgery that I have had and that I will have. Although, because this is never ending, I guess medical stuff, all of it's ongoing. Mm. Marcel said she was relieved by the judge's decision to deny a reduced sentence for Hanson. When she said denied, I was like... My heart, like, shrank. She said, I was very thankful. But she also said she will never fully recover from what Hanson did to her. The vision in my left eye is never coming back. That's one thing that's never coming back because that optic nerve is severed, she Mm -hmm. said. My hearing is lost completely. That's why I have hearing aids. Marcel said she has had at least one surgery every year since the attack, including several to reconstruct her face. She has a few more upcoming operations and hopes to finally be done. Marcel's mother, Diane, said she also struggles with trusting new people, especially men. She's just in the past two years. She's coming out of her shell a little bit and starting to trust co-workers and actually going to their home to board game night or, you know, cards or something. Mm-hmm. But it's taken her this long to trust somebody to go to their house and kick back, she said. Ugh. I think, yeah, I think it's just... It's so sad. And he's like, oh, I don't want to be in jail anymore. Well, too bad. I mean, do, do do the crime, do the time. Yeah. Like. And you barely do any time as it is. Yeah. I keep forgetting that she, she did survive, so they can't yeah. charge him with murder or anything. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, honey, you're getting 18 years. Like, you're going to be alive and probably get out of jail and then just go on about your life. Like, yeah. you never did anything wrong. Not saying that going to jail or prison isn't life-altering. I'm sure yeah. it is. I'm sure that's why he wants to get out. Yeah. But, mm. I mean, you got all that free time before you went where you got to go on dates and everything. Do what? Yeah. And I think she's... I think she's really strong, so... Absolutely. And, um... Mm. Her positivity is contagious. Yeah. It, like, th- you know, through all that she's been through. Yeah. And she's came out strong and she will keep on. Yes. So you go, Brittany. Go, girl, go. Okay. Because that's a lot. That's a lot to go through. And then the nerve to just be like, I want to get out. I want to get out early. Can I get out early? Like, no, nah, fool. <laughs> absolutely not no (laughs) no 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 so that was the case on Brittany and her attacker I liked it I love that snapshot thing Mm -hmm. that is so cool I love a survival story yes better than a you know murder so hate that she had to go through it but I'm glad she survived Uh, yeah yep so that's it well, if you want to email us at amillionmudders at gmail.com, you can do that. And if you have questions, comments, if you want to like re 
if we say we're drunk, aka Chelsea, Deidre too, don't listen. You can uh, let us know. I mean, it ain't gonna hurt my feelings. Nope. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can do that. And if you have any cases that you're interested in or that you like and you want to hear, let us know. We can cover them. If you have personal experiences or friends of friends or family that's went through stuff and you want to share, just do that. Yeah. And you can also go to our Instagram at a million murders and look at the people, places, things. And you can also go to our Facebook group and page and we will, I'm trying to, you know, post things on both. Yeah. I try to share it to the page from the group mm-hmm. or which it, vice versa, actually. So anyway, yeah, you can go there. You can check that out. We post stuff sometimes and we always say whenever we have, you know, um, the episode coming out usually. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's it, right? I think so. I think we covered it. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. And we hope you come back for a million more.